0: Hello, and welcome back to the Bible in a Year podcast. I'm your host, Jay Smith. With me today is Jimmy Doyle and Travis Bruno, good friends of mine, uh, people I love to talk about the Bible with. And so we left you off uh, in in the middle of chapter five, just talking about some of the major themes in chapter five. And we just felt like the content was too rich to make it all one podcast. And so we wanted to do some work to make this uh, a a two-parter. And so we're going to continue on in chapter five. And so uh, let's get into it. We're moving on here to verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again to the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. He was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came to him and he saw him. He fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And so he went with him. What you can see is that Jesus' popularity is continuing to just grow. And that's a result of uh, the healings. It's a result of the teaching. There's this this kind of growing wave of uh, intrigue, enthusiasm, whatever you want about what Jesus is doing. And so here in verse 24, uh, a large crowd followed Jesus, pressed on him, And there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages uh, for 12 years, which is probably uh, a really gentle Translation to try to say that she, she's having menstrual problems for 12 years, uh, making her unclean. And so for 12 years, she's been suffering from not just the physical aspect of it, but also the spiritual, uh, emotional, personal isolation and disconnect from a majority of the people in her world. And so she she is sitting there. She endured verse 26. Uh, she endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him and touched uh in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, But if I touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone out from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You you see the crowd pressing in on you, which feels very like the decide like the disciples kind of maybe sarcastically respond, is how I read this, right? Like every time, like, uh, Jesus, there's a lot of people here. Uh, how can you ask who touched you? Like, literally hundreds of people touched you. Uh, and Jesus says, uh, and, his, uh, and Jesus says, he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what happened to her, came in fear and trembling. Verse 33 fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. One of my favorite, favorite stories in the gospels is this one right here. Uh, because, and really is it's Jesus's whole response to it. Isn't out of the norm, uh, to what we've already been seeing and what we'll continue to see about Jesus's healing. So for me, the reason this story sticks out so much is, is the woman and her response and her faith and, uh, I always put myself, this is the easiest one. One of the easiest ones for me to like, just imagine myself in the story uh, and to imagine myself even in her shoes, like what desperation, what um, would drive somebody to say, like, if I can just touch, you know, his cloak, maybe this will heal me. And so it's always been why I've resonated with the story in the middle of, of Mark's chapter uh, five here for us. So some questions, like what are some (laughs) questions that come up? Like, Jimmy, what are some things you feel like are important for us to, to glean from this passage?
1: What it says here is that she had a rush of blood. Like she had a flow of blood, right? <clears throat> and blood, blood outside of sacrifice in Jewish culture, based on the Torah, based on the Bible, is unclean. Blood in the temple actually cleans things. Blood anywhere else makes things unclean. So for a woman who has a, a flow of blood for 12 years, she is ritually impure and she's uh, contagious in impurity. So I'm going to read a pa- couple of passages from Leviticus. And this is from the Torah. This is like God's instructions about purity. And uh, and these are hard. These are hard things. Like it's hard for us to understand as non-Jewish people living in the 21st century. Uh, it's hard for women maybe to hear these these things as well. Um, when a woman has a discharge, it's from Leviticus fifteen nineteen through 24. When a woman has a discharge of blood, that is her regular discharge from her body, she shall be in her impurity for seven days. She shall be unclean for seven days. Um, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until the evening. Everything upon which she lies during her impurity shall be unclean. Everything also upon which she sits shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whoever touches anything upon which she sits shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening, whether it is in the bed or anything upon which she sits. When he touches it, he shall be unclean until the evening. If any man lies with her and her impurity and her impurity falls, so the blood falls on him, he shall be unclean seven days and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. And it goes on later in the chapter. And 15, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time time of her impurity. So this is the lady that we're talking about. Or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge, she shall continue an uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies, all the days of her discharge, it's the same kind of thing. And anybody who touches those beds relies upon that bed. Anything, they are also made unclean. And then it says, if she is cleansed of her discharge, she shall count seven days, and after that, she shall be clean. On the eighth day, she shall take, take two turtle doves or two pigeons and bring them to the priest to the entrance of the tents of meeting, because the tabernacle was around, not the temple in the time of Leviticus. The priest shall offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering, and the priest shall make atonement on her behalf before Yahweh for her unclean discharge. Thus, you should, now this is the part that matters in terms of why she's, in, in terms of community, her touching people and that whole thing. Thus you, you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness so that they do not die in their uncleanness by defiling, not themselves, but my tabernacle that is in their midst. And so in the rabbinic period, the idea that there are, the, the previous story, pigs and Gentiles around, unclean. This woman who has this issue of blood for 12 years and she's touching people and she's spreading this uncleanness, it's defiling the temple and from the Jewish religious leaders perspective that's the reason that god has not come to fully dwell with us again and if we can just make ourselves unclean and rid ourselves of this god will finally come back and so all through ancient israel there are these things called mikvah baths where they would dig it out and they would basically that's what baptism was that's what john the baptist is doing out in the river jordan you have to wash yourself all the time so that you're ritually clean um, and this woman going around everybody she's touching she's making unclean so think about what she does here. She touches Jesus, right? He would have been in that moment unclean, I guess, except for when she touches him, she her bleeding stops. And now she is ritually, she can be, she's got to purify herself and all that at the end of the day, be ritually clean. But for her, she's going to have been excluded on some level from the community of her own people for a long time, 12 years. And we have other texts that this, she's not the only woman. There were ritual incantations and there were healers that women went to when they had these issues and they had all these potions and things trying to heal women, smearing themselves with clay and everything from unclean flows of blood. Uh, it would have been, it would have been a hard world to live in, uh, for those women.
2: Travis, what stands out to you? Yeah. I mean, just with all of that context, I have known some of that to a degree, but just the explanation again, and then some of the other things like it says that she had spent all that she had and it kept growing worse. Like all of these things, I'm just struck by her desperation and also thinking of the story that we had read earlier in Mark with the paralytic and his friends lower him through the roof, like how desperate they must have been. Um, and that Jesus, Jesus's response is so good to me. <laughs> like your faith has made you well, go in peace and be healed. Like I don't. So I don't. I guess I don't necessarily have as many questions with this one, but I'm just and like I see why it is one of your favorites, Jay. Like it just sticks out as like it's just a moving story, um, a moving moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I just don't want people to glance over the fact that you want to talk about the upside. So we've talked about themes, right? Themes to be paying attention to. And and one of the things Jimmy cautioned us even before the podcast is he talked about this. Since we are moving slower, it's a little bit easier to lose those themes. So if we're talking about the kingdom of God, right? If we're talking about what God is coming in the flesh to show us that he is about. And you have this scene where somebody who had made the rabbi ritually unclean, but instead the kingdom of God is not able to be made unclean, but makes what is unclean, clean, right? Like that tainted side of it is its you, you, you don't taint God uh, with your presence, but God can take your presence and make it clean and whole, you know, and that's just such a good news part of, of this story. Um, God, so good.
1: I, well, and the word healed here is actually the same word for saved. It's, it means rescued. Daughter, your 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 faith has rescued you. Like it's not just some physical healing thing, it's much bigger than that, right? It's could you can imagine now she can be restored to community? Uh everything. Like her, her life has been rescued at this point. And uh he tells her, he says, Go in peace and be rescued. Um be healed of your disease. He does say healed it here at the end. And the word for disease here is a word like uh being lashed, it's like being chewed up, masticus. Like this was a disease that was ravaging her, and she's been rescued from it and healed from it because she had this faith. Maybe if I just touch him, which would have been so controversial, and she doesn't care because she's desperate. She's desperate. And it's, a, it's an incredible story. Right in the middle of this, like a sandwich. Story, yeah, we had this introduction <laughs> and then this interruption of this woman, and then it. it Mark is brilliant in the way that he writes the story.
0: And so when he does that sandwich, Jimmy is—is is it fair to say that Mark is trying to draw your attention? To all three pieces of this, is he trying to emphasize this kind of middle story, or is he just telling like one collective story of the authority and power of Jesus by using this technique to bring emphasis to it?
1: I think Mark is a brilliant writer, and he is summarizing several years very quickly. So several years take place from Mark 1 to Mark 8, and then it's like, a, it's like two weeks. After Mark 8, it's like two weeks. So if time slows down a lot after Mark 8. Mark is grouping things together. He's he's talking about Jesus. We talked about this in the previous podcast. He's talking about Jesus' authority. His authority to make halachic legal decisions about the Torah. He's got authority to cast out demons. He's got authority to heal. And he's kind of putting things together. So you have that those passages about parables that we looked at uh, in, in Mark 4. But you also have before that, you have these legal decisions that Jesus is making. And now you've got these stories that are tied in in some way with uncleanness. And Mark, I... Mark is not doing this stuff by accident. He's writing an orderly account, and not orderly, maybe in terms of like timeline of Jesus' life, but orderly in that he's grouping these things together. And that's uh,
0: such wisdom. That's great. So, continue on. And at the very end, here's the the continuation of Jairus' story. And so, uh, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came. So, so. You Know using what Jimmy just talked about with the Gospel of Mark, and and even talking a little bit about like, all right, so what's the near like, what's the scene that's happening here? So, Jesus has been approached by the synagogue leader in desperation, falls down, you know, Jesus, please, my daughter, she's sick, like, we need you. And then, this scene with obviously the woman that we just discussed, and then at the very beginning here in verse 35, and so while he was still speaking, some came from the leader's house to say, So, Jesus is. There's not an urgency from Jesus in this moment, right? Which is this confidence and assurance of his authority in my mind. Uh, But while he's still speaking, some people came and, and interrupted him. Your daughter is dead, talking to Jairus. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, what you could say is that if Mark is grouping these stories and being intentional in writing them, is that that is one story taking place. To where Jairus had just asked and there's not a difference in the time right like Jairus asks the people come up while Jesus is responding and you know either way I, there's nothing there's no proper or improper way probably to look at that uh but they come to him they say your daughter is dead why trouble the teacher any further verse 36 but overhearing what they said Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue do not fear only believe uh it's a great bumper sticker uh Verse 37, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, uh, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house, the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside, took the child's father and mother and all those who were with him and went in, which is Peter, John, James. Uh, went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, come up or get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. As they, as this, they, at this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So there's three movements as far as people's emotional response to what Jesus is doing here. Right? So he shows up, they're weeping and wailing Jesus. She's just sleeping. Then they start laughing at the end. Those who experience it are filled with amazement. That's one of the things that just sticks out to me. It's like they're laughing at Jesus, right? Laugh at Jesus, amazed by Jesus, uh, weeping and wailing at the reality. And so, uh, I have a few questions before I kind of ask those. I want to give you all just a chance. Like, Jimmy, what do, you, what do you want to make sure that we we don't miss from this this part of the passage?
1: I mean, the truth is, I think it's kind of, it doesn't need much, yeah. right? Like, he's just rescued this one woman with her flow of blood. What's great, this again, is 12 years she had had an affliction of the flow of blood and this little girl was 12 years old, right? This is There's a tie in here. And Mark knows, he knows what he, like, even this really happened. And, and I, I don't want to be controversial to people, uh, for no reason. If people are like, well, why didn't it, maybe it just happened this way. It definitely could have happened this way. Maybe Peter, traditionally, Peter is the one that told Mark the stories of Jesus. And I can see Peter being like, man, there was this one time we were yeah. in Capernaum and right. <clears throat> um, so whatever that case, there is this tie in 12 years. Also, if the little girl had died, She's unclean. It's un You are unclean when you touch a dead body in the Torah. So you're unclean until the end of the day, until you can wash in mikvah. So you got the unclean pigs with the unclean spirits, and there's 2,000 of those pigs running into the water, like a legion of pigs, legion of unclean spirits. And now you've got this woman who has this discharge of blood, which is one of the reasons that we're blaming everybody for God not coming back and rescuing us. And he rescues her. He rescues her. And then you've got this little girl who, who, according to what they say, she's dead. And he walks in and he says, hey, little girl, get up. You know, It just means, that's all it means. Little girl, get up. And she gets up. And if he took her by the hand and she's dead, Jesus is unclean. Ritually unclean in that moment, right? Now we could argue the semantics of that. Like, well, as soon as he touched her, she's alive. Mm -hmm. And so he's not unclean. But he's dealing with uncleanness in a way that is bringing healing and, and I'm going to use the word salvation, rescue, not just like salvation, like going to heaven. He is restoring people who have been dead. This little girl's really dead. That woman was dead in her culture. That man lived among the tombs, right? Death to uncleanness. And Jesus is fixing it all. It's incredible. Who dies in this story? The unclean spirits and the unclean pigs right? And all of this chapter, it's, I, I think, I think of Mark as like a Steven Spielberg. He's putting together this real stories, real life of Jesus. He's not making it up, but he's doing it in a way that is incredibly powerful in my mind. So.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. And one of the, (laughs) this is always, you know, my lens of, of reading scripture, but it's, I don't know. And Travis, I don't know if you have any insight on this or any thoughts about this, but in verse 37, he allowed no one to follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Which this is the crew that is, is pretty commonly the inside, inside group with Jesus. Uh, but it is, it's always funny to me to be able to say like, of course Peter, you know, like Peter made himself at the center of the story. You know? Yeah, and then it was just, just us. <laughs> It wasn't all those other guys, <laughs> just the three of us. Right. Uh, right. Just to make sure that they know that it was just. Just want to that. point out. But right. uh, I know that's not real, but it is something where I always find it, it's just kind of funny where, you know, these were the three. Per- and, and there's more, there'll be more scenes ahead of us uh, where where they have kind of this favored part of it. So that concludes chapter five. Uh, any kind of closing thoughts between the two of you? Trav, what do you got? Just, man? What, what did you love from so, chapter five? Yeah.
2: I mean, Jimmy summed it up overall really well, uh, and just sort of as far as the overall theme. Um, but the only other thing that is sort of, I think, just a lingering question as we read through all of this um, at the very end, because it was kind of my my guess in questioning uh, at the the Legion story and how he was healed, and Jesus said to go and tell, and and then we come to sort of this story and. He strictly charged them that no one should know. And so it's like, I want to pay attention to when he says that you should go and spread the word and when you should not. And um, just kind of ponder that, I guess. I don't know that I need an answer, but just an interesting thing.
1: That's going to come up again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and it is going to be like, oh, well, here he's telling somebody to do it. Why? He's saying no.
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, mark those notes down. That's one of the encouragements we've had. And I know Travis, uh, I think it was a Christmas present, got a, uh, journal version of the different books of the Bible and the new Testament. And so I don't know how you all are reading if you're reading along with us, but I just strongly do encourage you to be taking notes as you can, especially things like that. Like, all right, so who does Jesus allow and who does he not allow to tell his story? And, uh, you know, most of the the things are trying to who who is Jesus revealing himself to, uh, and that's a big part of the story all the way up until the crucifixion. Uh, so that that concludes chapter five. Uh, like I said, one of the more it's simple. You know, it really is three stories, but. Uh, unbelievable amount of important content. And I, and I hope that you who are listening to this hear that message of the clean and unclean. And if anything gives you hope, right, in the midst of anything you may be walking through, uh, this is why I love the story of Jesus. And and it's because it really gives a space for all people, no matter what you've walked through, um, no matter how how hard you've been beaten down, it gives you a space to realize that that Jesus came to bring good news to you. And that's the heart of the gospels: is that the good news is good news for all people. Uh, now, what we do with it—that's the question. But, but, but the good news is good news for all people. And so, that's it for our time together today. So that was chapter five. We'll be back next week with chapter six. Just encourage you as a final parting note. Uh, one of the best things you can do for this is, is we believe that that God wants to to reclaim and and restore relationships both between us and God, but also between us and our friends and we believe that part of that journey happens through scripture and so uh we love talking about the bible and one of the things you could do uh, to support us is to listen as you're doing good job but also to share this with somebody so if you have somebody that's that's walking into or trying to figure out faith or somebody that's reading along with us just share this podcast with them wherever you're listening to it and the other thing that is the most important thing is to jump in read-scripture.com follow us along as we read the gospels this year Uh, because once again, we believe that scripture is intended to be read and dealt with together. And so jump in, read with us, comment, post, and follow along as we read the Gospels in 2022.